Uh, this next one is from angelina she says i've been coming across gathering and trying to make sense of similar information for the past year but was never able to see the big picture so thank you if you have a chance could you please give us your views on the pleiadians the orions or arcturians or part of a council of five or nine okay hmm could you please comment on the galactic federation star seeds crystal vortex in arkansas prison planet ascension and any info about the moon if it's hollow and used as a laboratory um okay these are big questions um i'm not sure what to say uh, maybe, maybe Daphne, you and I should have this conversation. Uh, yeah, there is a council of five. Yes, there are Pleiadians and Orions and Arcturans. Um, the each one is uh, a little different in terms of their focus and what they want to see here on planet, what they're supporting or nurturing here on the planet um i don't know about the council of nine i do know about the council of five um and they are 110 percent committed to seeing the people of earth come together and 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 take a step into their own development into their own evolution the first step is has to be peace You'd think it would be easy. I mean, war is just a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Why do we do that? Are we in charge of our own lives? Mm, excuse me. Galactic Federation? Yeah. I'll say they exist. Star seeds? Yes um there's quite a few of them here at there's you know i'm i'm one of them people who came here with a specific task to do at this time in an effort to prevent the takeover um i don't know anything about the crystal vortex in arkansas but um the prison planet that's sometimes referred to as the earth it's not really a prison we're we are the only ones keeping ourselves here and we do that by our choices 
when all we think about is money and war and material goods, and so many people are left out, are left hungry, are left hurting, are left unrecognized, unseen, unsupported, unloved. We have to show that we have moved past that kind of treatment of our fellows if we want to go anywhere, if we want to ascend. Uh, yeah, the moon, well, the moon is not hollow. It's just like all the other planets. Everybody lives inside the planet. Um, like I've said a couple times before, no, nobody lives on the outside because most, out, most planets are inhospitable. They don't nurture life. Earth, we happen to have a, quite an amazing reality system on the surface, but we have just as many very interesting um, people who live inside Earth and have for thousands of years because it's just much safer. Um, and it says info about the moon, if it is hollow and used as a laboratory. Yes, it is. And so is the Earth, and so is Mars, and so is Jupiter, and so is Venus, and they're all the same. They're all, they're laboratories of life. And they are advanced people. There's so many things that people here do not know how to create or um, replicate. So I have to have a conversation with Daphne about this. I, I don't really know. I don't have good good things to, how do I say it? I don't have the questions. Um, it's like, be like a needle in a haystack kind of thing. Okay, this um, next piece here is from Bradley. And he says, I enjoyed this. Got a little smile. <laughs> I have a side story that fits into this narrative that folks may find interesting. I once had a very strong vision of a past life that I think was Pleiadian, as everyone was blonde and white and non-human. And I was one of the rogues. I was part of a group of outcasts in a city similar to ours today, but more high-tech in some aspects. The people in this group were all different physically, sexually, or just thought differently. They were considered undesirable by the government at the time. We were gathered in a hideout, laying low, but the authorities raided us and took us away. I remember being very angry and being forcibly subjected to genetic reprogramming against my will to be more conforming. Whether I got dumped on earth or came here by choice, I don't know. But I guess my point is that when you said Pleiadians and most species tend to have strict rules about genetic purity, that made sense to me immediately and reminded me of my vision. 
I don't know if you are aware, but there's a distinct difference between incarnating on Earth versus cultures like the Pleiades. We have simultaneous incarnations versus most ETs have sequential lives on their planet and culture. In other words, we run all our lives at once, albeit they're compartmentalized from each other, and they're networked via our higher self and advanced incarnations in quantum time. ET sequential lives, as I understand it, are far more perceptive in general and astral with past and future life knowledge. They'll only run one life at a time. It's a much slower evolutionary spiritual process that is more collective, though very valid and more common in the galaxy. I learned about this from another author who studied deeply with Bob Monroe and who is even more talented from everything I can tell. He has a book called The Matrix that is in the library on level 27 if you know how to get there. Astral travel is beyond me to do consciously, but I have no doubt that the material exists there. Hard copies were the only way to read it on physical earth. Nothing digital exists by design. I think that's the end. Um, very interesting. Right? So I think Bradley's uh, comments are in response to um, some things that I said that had to do with um, the fact that there were rogues, there are always rogues in, a, in any given civilization, and different civilizations have different ways of handling them. But very often, when you are considered uh, to be incorrigible, in other words, you absolutely refuse to change or to, to cooperate, um, in a way that everybody is better off, including yourself, you will get dumped somewhere on a primitive planet. And even though we have a long history of people in science saying, we evolved from the apes. No, we didn't. People were dropped off here millions of years ago and devolved into wild creatures just trying to survive. So uh, Brad obviously has this memory of being a rogue and, and what he went through was genetic reprogramming. Sometimes they will restructure your mind. Sometimes they will wipe it and give you a new identity. Um, so those are other ways of dealing with people who are, are serious troublemakers. They're destructive. Okay. Um, in terms of the library, yes, I have been in that library. Oh, my gosh. Um, I have not been to level 27, but I have been there more than once, looked around, looked at the results of my own life here, um, was pretty surprised, and have many times thought, uh, someday I'm going to go back there and be a librarian. 
<laughs> so, um, as far as astral travel is concerned, um, work at that, Brad. That's worth it. Definitely worth it. Okay. Debbie says, Penny, are there other Pleiadian hybrids in the same way you are a Pleiadian hybrid on other planets? Yes. And as a Pleiadian hybrid, why are you really here? Well, that's easy. I say that all the time. I am here to teach the world about the mind and consciousness. And I'm here as part of a last-ditch group of, of beings, a last-ditch effort. If we fail, let me say it this way, if the people of Earth fail to recognize the situation they're in and allow themselves to be taken over, there's only one way out, and that is the, an expanded consciousness. And so the value of coming in to teach people about the mind and consciousness is that maybe they wake up and they don't get taken over, which offers many more options. Um, so much easier. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. Okay, well, let's just leave that alone. Um, my personal reasons for being here are because it's a I'm this is like a graduation class for me um, in which I participate in an effort to shift a population, help shift a population. I'm not the only one, um, but to help shift a population and to observe what goes on and what's involved in that, how challenging, how, patient you have to be, how, um, how much time it takes, the kind of coordination that it takes. Um, that's, it's something that I've been doing for 43 years now. I didn't think it was, I thought it was hopeless. <laughs> Sorry, no insult, no offense intended, but I thought it was hopeless and I did try to quit. Now that will be held against me um, as to what my level of stamina is and how much will I have developed, how much power to power that will. Um, however, I ended up coming back around, um, having enough contact with my people to say, you know, thank God you're still there. Um, and, and, and then beginning to see that what started out looking absolutely, utterly hopeless has now turned into this, I think we're going to make it. I think if we can keep on going, I think if we can keep on waking up, we've got enough of a, of a group of population to carry the rest. They may not believe for a while yet. Um, that's okay. There has to be, uh, it's like Margaret Mead said, I think it's Margaret Mead, um, never doubt that uh, a small group of committed people can change the world. 
Um, the fact of the matter is that nothing else has ever changed the world except a small group of people. And we have, I'm going to say, I've at least 25%, um, but I think closer to 40% at this point. So, and we, and we go up and down week by week because everybody chickens out every time you turn around. But uh, that's okay. That is okay. So, yes, I am here to, to help, I guess. Um, thanks for asking, Debbie. <laughs>